0: So welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today is a long, long time friend. I got to know you, Christine. What are we looking at? 10, 12 years?
1: Oh, sure. But we don't want to date ourselves, Matt.
0: We don't. You're right. You're right about that. Uh, Christine Frickty. And Christine is the longtime CEO of one of the great creative shops in our country in one of my very favorite cities, Minneapolis. And I'm talking here to the CEO of Cull McVoy. How are you, dear?
1: I'm doing great, Matt. It is so nice to see you and connect today. It's been, I think, a long, long 15 months for many of us, and great to connect and talk about life. How have you been?
0: Oh, we we are, you know, I I think we all see light at the end of the tunnel, Christine, and I think we're so grateful for that, and um, I feel, you know, blessed in in many ways, and um, we're planning the fall, which is very exciting for us. So, and a live return, you know, for advertising week here in New York, where we first met all those years ago. Uh, so, you know, yet no one's older, of course, let's, let's be clear about
1: that. So this fall, you are coming back. Yes, I'm we are.
0: I'm happy, happy to talk about it with you. So, but this is about you, Christine. This is not about me today. You, you can turn the tables on me later if you like, <laughs> but let me at least try to drive the uh, school bus for a few minutes. And. I wanna start in your beloved city and home of Minneapolis. I know you went to the University of Minnesota. We graduated around the same time. I graduated just a few years before you did, but in that same general ballpark. And uh, I'd love to talk about your passion for Minnesota and for, of course, the great city of Minneapolis.
1: Well, I have to, divulge, I'm actually from St. Paul and for people that know the Twin Cities, there's this great rivalry between St. Paul and Minneapolis. Um, but again, the Twin Cities is a beloved home to so many people, including myself. Uh, growing up in St. Paul um, was fantastic and I went all the way across the river to Minneapolis um, to go to the University of Minnesota, home of the Golden Golfers. And uh, it was a phenomenal experience for me to really, um, you know, being that the daughter of um, uh, an entrepreneur and going to a, a smaller school, high school, having the chance to go to an you know, a state school with 45,000 people and really find out um, how to navigate the real world and who I was and, and what I wanted to do was a gift. And um, I had always had the dream of being an artist, um, but I found out pretty darn quick, Matt, um, that although I had the aspiration to be one, I didn't have that gift. So I was in a lot of fine arts classes and realized um there's so much creative t- creativity around me that um, that is something that I wanted to pursue and try to make a career of and uh, that's how I stumbled upon advertising and uh, in the Twin Cities again back to my love for this great community there are so many innovative companies in the Twin Cities um, whether that be 3M and the inventors of Post-it notes, there's Target, there's Best Buy I mean we have so many, great organizations that harness technology and innovation um, as well as creative agencies and design agencies and tech companies. So it is a hotbed of innovation and creativity. So again, a lot of people always say, why didn't you ever go to the coasts? And I did leave Minneapolis for a few years, and we'll talk about that later if you want, but there's so much opportunity here. Um, The people are amazing. The opportunities are incredible. And uh, it's a really wonderful place to raise a family if you choose to do so. And I think it's a hidden gem that a lot of people don't discover. And the other thing I have noticed about the great city of Twin Cities in Minneapolis is that once people move here, Matt, their life. So again, um, I encourage everybody in marketing and advertising, if you ever want to pursue that flyover country, Minneapolis is a must stop destination because there's tons of opportunity here.
0: Okay so uh, we're not going to leave this subject so fast cuz you gave me a great business answer about the attributes and strengths of the twin cities and I did give St Paul short shrift and now I'm feeling really badly about it I have to tell you and we're going to come back to St Paul also to make up for that terrible error on my part but and we know there are great companies there but talk about the human attributes I think there's a warmth to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and it may be odd to juxtapose warm and Minnesota together, but I, I felt that there's something in the people there and it's maybe a, that Scandinavian roots, there's something special about the people there and it's different than every other city in the Midwest.
1: Matt, I agree that Minnesota is very welcoming and warm, except during the winter, but where you really see this warmth come through is in our empathy. We're one of the most charitable and giving states in America. And this year we were thrust into the international spotlight for all the wrong reasons. We definitely deserve the scrutiny and we have a lot of work to do to right the wrongs, but I'm optimistic that our empathy will win and that we'll come together to create a better and more equitable future
0: for all. So I wasn't gonna go there, but you just mentioned it. So let's go there. Um, I remember exactly where I was. Uh, On 9-11, when the planes hit. Seems like in this country, the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis, his murder was another one of those moments. Do you remember exactly where you were and what what your thoughts were when you heard about what had happened that day?
1: I do. I was in my kitchen. And... um... I started to cry. Um, And I, again, we were all working remotely. And I reached out to um, my chief creative officer um, to see if he had um, heard what was going on in our community. And we put our heads together, um, one, to really try to comprehend what was going on in our backyard, but more importantly, to figure out how we could Um, be compassionate leaders, and help our our employees really um, process what we knew um, was something that many of them uh, had never experienced in their lifetime.
0: And how was it for the company? Were there people who just couldn't really focus on work? I mean, this must have been you know, I can, the only thing I can equate it to remotely was how I remember sitting numb watching what happened on January 6th, you know, and I, you know, I think none of us, if you're sane, you know, could believe what we were watching. That must have been something to have been in the eye of the storm for something that became such a huge national and global story with real high heat and sustained high heat over a long period of time.
1: Yes, uh, but I think when you're a leader, you, um, <laughs> you're, this is the true test of, of that. And again, our instincts led us to believe, just bring people together. Um, let's bring everybody together. So that following morning, we brought everybody together. Obviously we were virtually together um, and we talked about what would happen. And again, I think some people were concerned that, um, again, I'm not a trained um, um, moderator Um, of crises like this, Um, but I think what it showed is a sense of vulnerability, um, a sense of compassion for our people, and uh, we just got together and we talked, and people shared what they were feeling, they shared what they were trying to process, some people um, were on screen, Um, many people were in the chat, and I think, again, it was a moment of gratitude, um, because so many people felt comfortable to really express um what what they were trying to process which was uncomprehendable
0: and i think what you did there speaks not only to your leadership but to your long long and incredibly i think really super successful as much as anyone i've ever seen you know we've been lucky enough to visit your shop And from the moment you walk in, you feel a culture that is unique to Cole McVoy and unique to you. And I got to think that culture that you've created is part of what has enabled your company not only to navigate an incredibly difficult period with what we were talking about, George Floyd, but an incredibly difficult year. And you guys are still out there producing incredible work for clients.
1: Thank you for that. And I do think, I mean, culture is everything. (laughs) It's like you take care of your people and the rest falls into place. Um, Again, I think all of us as leaders, we're trying to figure out how do we keep our cultures alive Um, in the remote world. And again, I think because we had such a strong connection, again, I don't know if that was the warmth you were referring to before, but I think we've also had consistent leadership. I've had the privilege of being part of um, this organization for more than 15 years, as has our chief creative officer, as has our CFO. Um, but we also have some amazing new talent that have joined us over the last two or three years. So it's, just, it's really this um, incredible gift of sustainability for our people and our clients, um, but also at the intersection of really bringing in um, new talent to continue that reinvention. Um, but I think because there is trust um, with our employees. And I think that they they know I'm a straight shooter. Um, they know that um, I am fair. They have seen me cry <laughs> probably more in the last year, which is something that I think a lot of people go, wait, leaders aren't supposed to do that. Um, but I don't know how you could not have felt um, the emotions that rip through our country numerous times over the past year. And I think that provides people with reassurance um, that you have their best intentions in mind um, and that you're feeling the pain along with them.
0: Yeah, no, they a very, you know, human and compassionate, you know, I, it's, it's what I know about you. So I'm not the least bit surprised. Okay. So let's go back. You ready to dial the clock
1: back a little bit? I am. This got really heavy, really fast. <laughs> so it
0: did. It This went in an unexpected heavy direction. You're absolutely right. So let's lighten it up a little bit. All righty. And let's go back to the Martin Williams agency sure. and your initial foray into the business and into account management. What do you remember from that very first day?
1: Well, again, it goes back to my roots at the University of Minnesota. I decided that I was gonna pursue a career in advertising and everyone said you had to have an internship. So I went to advertising club and they were talking about internships and I was able to apply for one at the women's athletic department. Uh, That was back when there was a women's athletic department and I was selected to be the PR and promotions intern. And uh, I had an, an amazing mentor there who also had an advisory board. And on that advisory board was someone from Martin Williams. Um, an amazing man, God rest his soul, named George Creel. And George Creel gave me my first job in advertising. He could, took a chance on me. I said, again, I'm, I'm looking to gain experience, um, willing to do anything. So I don't know if you have any odd jobs around the shop. And he said, well, I need some help data coding and I need some help filing in our library and I don't know, maybe our mailroom. And I said, I, I, I'm i up for the task. So um, he gave me my first job. Um, he also gave me um I think it was bus fare which I thought was very generous of him you know I back then I didn't have a car so I take the bus to downtown Minneapolis and I was the best um, filer ever again this is before the internet existed so everything came in the mail um, and I think I, I was also the the mailroom relief person so thinking about the days from you know the mailroom to where I am today it's been a really fun journey. Um, but once my internships ended at Martin Williams, um, obviously I needed a job, a job, just like I told my son, you're going to college to get a job, and hopefully a job that, uh, that you're passionate about. And I learned a lot and knew I wanted to help shape culture, um, but it wasn't going to be in the cards at Martin Williams because they didn't have an open position. So uh, my boss picked up the phone and called someone over at another great agency, um, Campbell Methune, and, which was the largest agency in the Twin Cities at the time. And they had an amazing training program. And I was fortunate enough to interview there and somehow sneak in the back door because they only hired people with MBAs back then. And I was an undergraduate. So um, I was my, my compadres were all people with, um, you know, MBAs from Thunderbird and Kellogg. And I was, you know Christine Hickok at the time uh, entering in with my my Bachelor of Individualized Studies from the University of Minnesota, um, and went to work.
0: Amazing! And you had a pretty long run year that you were there for five six years.
1: I think six or seven, yeah. And then it was interesting. A friend of mine um, came back from a coffee that she had, and she was explaining that she had met with a headhunter, and I wasn't aware what a headhunter was at the time. And she said, "Hey." Um, I met with this woman, and she has this incredible opportunity in Honolulu, Honolulu, Hawaii, that I think you should check out because they're looking for someone to run a, a telecom business and also run their training program, and that's what you're doing right now, and I said, that is what I'm doing right now, but I'm doing it in Minneapolis, and uh, never thought about Honolulu, um, given that my husband and I were both both born and raised in Minnesota, we always had aspirations to, um, you know, try living in a different part of the country. He wanted to go west, I wanted to go east. Uh, But when Honolulu dropped from the sky in November with two feet of snow on the ground, I thought, well, heck, uh, I'm gonna go take a coffee. So um, I met uh, this person and she explained the opportunity in Honolulu. And I thought, I don't know, Honolulu, that's where people go for their weddings. I don't know if people really work there. Uh, So I went to Barnes and Noble and got a book on Honolulu and read about it thinking, gosh, I don't know, can I actually live in Honolulu? Um, And I talked to my husband, um, who has been um, a tremendous support throughout my career and most of my life. And um, after um, speaking with the owner of the shop, we decided to, you know, sell our house, pack up our home. He left his law practice and we moved halfway around the world.
0: That must've been some culture shock to go from Minnesota to Hawaii.
1: It was, um, but in a very, very good way. Um, Because I think when you grow up in Minnesota, um, again, I had not seen a lot of the world um, by the time I entered into advertising. And I think we have such a responsibility to make sure the work that we are creating is reflective of the world. Um, Having an opportunity to go to Hawaii um, was the first time that I was really asked to craft communications for a different cultural audience. And again, we would take main, you know, campaigns that were made for the mainland, and then we would customize them to be more relevant to the local market. So really understanding that those nuances and having an appreciation for the local culture and for international communications really broadened my perspective. But it was also eye-opening. Um, I remember my first couple of weeks there. Uh, yeah, again, I was so excited to, to learn and to meet all of these amazing people and work for this incredible company. And um, I just, uh, I was trying to figure out what I was doing wrong because yeah, people were, were reacting to me differently than they did in Minneapolis. So I asked my boss, I said, am I, I just need some coaching here. Am I What am I doing wrong? Because I sense that people are a little bit guarded around me. And he explained that, um, well, you're, you're from the mainland and you're not from here. So it's going to take time for people to, to build trust with you. Um, so it was definitely the first time that, uh, again, physically and um, in the role that I was in, I was an outsider for the first time. So really figuring out how to gain that trust with people, how to gain that respect, um, because I look so different and um, I had different experiences that I was bringing to the table.
0: Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's not unlike, it reminds me of when we went to Japan, you know, you had to earn their trust. Definitely. And earn their confidence. It's, it is a different culture.
1: What a beautiful culture and um, so much more diverse. Um, so when I came back to Minneapolis, I had more of a culture shock moving back to Minneapolis um, and just trying to readjust because everything was so um, uh, so much alike.
0: Yeah. Now listen, that a, a city that's got a real dense and diverse population has a different energy. It's not yep. bad. It's not better. It's different.
1: No, very different. And again, yeah. there are a lot of people um, that would come and go. So again. The amount of people and the relationships I created um, over 20 years ago when I had that the privilege of working there, um, some of those folks are still some of my best friends today. And uh, the owner of that shop um, is still one of my dear friends and mentor.
0: So then you come back and you become a founder of an agency as part of McCann?
1: Um. I returned back to Camel Methune, um, and it was because of an interesting opportunity that the CEO um, presented to me. Again, when I moved from Minneapolis to Hawaii, the, the company was so great. They threw a luau for me. They're like, you're going on a sabbatical, you're gonna come back. And they did a really great job staying in touch with me. And the CEO would call every few months with a new opportunity. And I thought, well, if I was gonna come back to the same city and especially the same organization, I wanted to do something that would stretch me in new and different ways. So the opportunity was to start a youth marketing division um, for Campbell Methune, which is part of the IPG um, network. So they asked me to um, take this German of, I- German of an idea and write a business plan and present it with the leadership and um, come back and launch it. So again, I've never written a business plan. So what, did you, what do you do when you're on an island without internet? I mean, internet didn't exist back then, really. So I called the four A's, our wonderful trade association for advertising agencies. And I said, Hey, could you, could you send me some examples of business plans? Um, so, you know, it takes a while to get from New York to Honolulu back in the nineties. Right. Um, I, you know, got my inspiration, uh, wrote my pitch and my business plan and presented it to the leadership and, um, they bought it. They said, great. Um, uh, which was really, um, rewarding, um, so my husband and I moved back uh, to Minneapolis from Honolulu. A lot of people don't understand that. <laughs> Actually, the <laughs> frozen tundra. Right,
0: right. For an
1: incredible opportunity um, to give birth to an idea that um, some people at Camelotun had. And we were able to do some really incredible research that um, helped people understand how to market responsibly to youth and families. This was back in the mid um, to late 90s when you know Nickelodeon and Sports Illustrated for Kids, and you know, um, youth marketing was um, more widely accepted and very exciting and, and a new thing. So we were really trying to make sure that we did it in a responsible fashion. And I'll never forget we did this survey among um, uh, kids, asking them what their favorite TV commercials were and why. And uh, we got back shocking results. Out of the tops, you know, seven of the top ten commercials were not commercials geared towards kids, um, they were adult commercials. And the number one commercial, if my memory is correct, was for a beer company. So it was a bit controversial, um, but very exciting. And uh, it it led to opportunities um, to expand our partnerships with General Mills and Burger King and a bunch of other um, really fun um, client partners and brands.
0: Christine, looking back on that early part of your career, you worked with some legendary agencies and did some pretty big things at a young age. You got to work with some other great minds. Who are some of the people who you remember from that early part of your career?
1: Some of the great minds I remember, again, the first one was Gail Shore. Um, she's a friend and mentor, but she gave me my first advertising um, internship at the University of Minnesota, where I had the very important task of finding someone to wear the goldie gold for suit and planning the halftime entertainment. <laughs> Um, But I think what I appreciated most about Gail is uh, she really um, presented me with a different challenge every day. She'd call me Hickok, which was my maiden name. Hickok, get in here, I want you to do this for me. And again, it was just a new challenge. So I I grew and I learned so much um, underneath her leadership. And again, she's a dear, dear friend. Um, And that's how I met George Creel, who I talked about earlier at Martin Williams. And then the the thing I really um, didn't realize was unique starting in the business um, when I did, is that Camel Mathune, when I walked in the door, it was the most senior ranking um, person was Madeline Betch. She was the EVP. And uh, there were also three managing supervisors who were women. There were two group creative directors that were women. So there were a lot of female leaders with my first official job in advertising. So I had a lot of um, great role models to learn from and a lot of women at that time that were doing heavy lifting to pave the way for generations to come. So that that really left an impression on me. Uh, I think when I went to Honolulu, again, I met Nick Ingpak at Palomino Bar in Minneapolis. We had a two-hour conversation (laughs) and he convinced me to move halfway around the world and and pack up my home and leave my job and have my husband leave his practice and go to Honolulu. And um, underneath his leadership, um, not only did I learn a lot about um, being a human, about being a leader, um, but also that business, um, it's personal and um, it was very personal to him and he brought his whole self and his uh, Chinese heritage into the office. Um, But he just uh, also cared about everyone deeply and really instilled in me that it's important um, to realize that every decision you make as a leader not only impacts the business, but all the families of the employees um, that uh, work there. So that, that left a profound impact on me. And coming back to the Twin Cities, again, I can't thank Howard List enough for the phone call saying, hey, we have this idea about creating a youth marketing um, division um, to help you know, really accelerate our growth and to really take advantage of the evolving um, youth marketing world back in the late 90s. And that was a gem. Uh, and then Chris Preston, uh, who actually I met during my first internship back at Martin Williams. He was a copywriter um and he would come into the intern pen and test out his copy on us um and he was super funny and super nice and also very handsome i think most of the interns had a crush on him but he gave me a call when i was running kidcom and said i'm starting this um or i've joined this company Um, which is now known as Preston Kelly. And he was looking for uh, a strategic um, account management partner to help him kind of pivot what was at that time a business-to-business organization into a more consumer-driven agency. And he said, you know what, I'd love for you to come over here and partner with me on this. And um, it was in Edina, Minnesota. And I thought, advertising in Edina? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. <laughs> That's not where you would expect the creative minds to go. Um, but I thought I would check it out. And to my surprise, when my son was eight months old, um, I decided to leave my my wonderful job um, and the great uh, time I had at Camel Mithun for this new adventure. Uh, and uh, working with Chris and um, uh, a group of amazing people, um, we really had a blast turning that organization into um, a much more consumer-focused uh, or company and started partnering with brands like Buca De Beppo and Johnsonville Sausage and Piper Jeffrey. Um, And it was just a really exciting journey. However, um, what I learned there is all clients are um, important. And I think because Chris and I had such a, a depth of experience with consumer, that's really where we um, uh, put our focus. Um, and unfortunately, some of the clients um, that were more, um, business to business oriented, which wasn't my background. Um, people were not paying as much attention to them. So unfortunately, um, I think we, we lost some relationships that we, we should have paid more attention to. So when I went to, um, my next, um, job at, Callment I took that with me again, it's just it, B2B, B2C, it doesn't really matter. What we're trying to do is, is, um, really, um, you know, grow brands and grow people. And, um, You know, help grow businesses. And you're not only marketing to um, professionals, you're also marketing to consumers in many ways. So, really recognizing that there's an opportunity in in all of that. But um, I think when you asked me about mentors, I think you and I um, both uh, share a very dear friend, Chuck Porter. And I met Chuck for the first time at uh, the Effie Awards. I can't remember the exact year, but I was um, at the Effie's picking up a. Gold Effie for the breakfast sausage commercial, introducing Johnsonville breakfast sausages. We won a gold, i very proud of that. But our table was split between um, uh, what, what is now known as Preston Kelly and Crispin Porter Bogusky. And that was the year where Crispin was taking, you know, all of the award shows uh, and um, Chuck was there and Chuck was actually speaking at the University of Minnesota three weeks later and I'd never met him in person. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am sharing a table with Chuck Porter. So we had the opportunity to, to get to know each other a little bit better that night. But more importantly, this is where all roads lead back, lead back to Minneapolis. Um, he was receiving um, the Grand Effie for the work for Truth. And um, one of my best friends from my days at Camelot was Bev Castens, And Bev was his client. So I'm like, wow, you're receiving the Grand Effie with my best friend you just stole buka de Beppo from me. And we're gonna be speaking together at a conference in three weeks at the University of Minnesota. I think it was very, uh, you know, serendipitous that, um, or coincidental that we happened to meet that one night in New York. So after that, we developed, a, you know, a relationship that, that you know, continues today. Um, and he was trying to convince me to come work in Miami with me. And I said, you know, I did Hawaii. I have a young family. I'm not looking to move to Hawaii, uh, to Miami right now. And then he was also trying to drum up um, different, um, adventures in Minneapolis and, um, MDC partners, um, at that time, which, uh, he was a strategic advisor to why he was also the, the CEO of Crispin and Porter, um, he said, you know, we have a couple of different shops there and, and call Voice one of them, but oh, it's a legacy agency. It's 70 years old. It's out in the suburbs. You know, it's just that that would just be a, a lot. And I said, well, I love a lot. I love building and shaping things, whether it's, you know, um, shaping a new department halfway around the world. In a, in a new um, environment or if it's coming back and creating a youth marketing division or going to a B2B company and trying to you know evolve it into more of a um, uh, consumer-driven organization, you know, what, what is, what is Coleman Voice next chapter gonna be? And he said, I don't know, that's what they need to write. And I said, well, that sounds pretty, pretty exciting to me. So um, lo and behold, I ended up um, uh, leaving um, Preston Kelly, Um, And that was really, really hard um, because it's a great great company and um, great people there. Um, And joining Call McVoy, which, you know, has been a wild ride. I want to say it's been probably seven different um, companies during my time there. Um, We've had different leaders um, and different chapters. And um, everyone has had its own um, unique opportunities and learnings.
0: Well, we're going to get much deeper into Call McVoy, but let's stay with Chuck for a minute
1: Don't we because
0: love Chuck? we do. And there are people in this business who stand, you know, in unique categories and stand on a unique piece of land. And he's just the most special guy I've met in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, there's nobody funnier than he is, and his heart, his wit. He's been all over the world with us. He came and spent the entire week with our, us and our team. He was at every meal, every team lunch, breakfast, dinner for the week in Japan at Advertising Week Asia.
1: Wow. Because he's not, he doesn't usually like to eat with other people.
0: And he travels and comes with us. And he oh. is like part of the family. But talk about what it was like to get to work alongside with Chuck as part of the same you know, corporate family for so many years.
1: Oh, well, again, obviously he was running Crispin Porter Boguski um, while I was running Call McFoy. So we had a full-time day job, but I would have to say he was um, definitely someone I called often um, as a soundy board. Uh, um, and again, he's such a humble guy. <laughs> He'll say, here's what I think, but I don't know why you'd listen to me or I don't know why, why should I be telling you this? Um, but again, I think he goes, his heart is, is so big and he focuses on the people. And um, and making the work the best it can be. So I also um, recall um, when we were making some changes, and um, I had to find a new creative leader. And I thought, well, again, um, hmm, we're trying to evolve this organization, reinvent it, make it more creatively driven. Um, and I need to recruit a new creative leader. Um, I need some help. So I said, I know, Chuck, this is probably a, <laughs> a little bit of a unique ask because I know that you're you're a creative leader at another agency, but would you help recruit um, the next, you know, executive creative director for Call McFoy? Because I think, um, you know, people care uh, what you think. And I think your endorsement about what the opportunity could look like um, would be really, really important. And he did that. Um, So again, I think there's a lot of things that he's done for for Call McFoy behind the scenes that many folks don't know about. um, But those of us that do have a great amount of gratitude for him. And uh, he was also a champ when he would come back and, We'd often um, meet up at University of Minnesota football games. Um, and uh, he'd come down to the agency and just hang out, have beers, talk to people, uh, look at the work. Um, and uh, I just said, you know, you're an icon. People just love it. And you're so human and you're so approachable um, that it was really a, a special gift to so many of us, um, you know, over many, many years. And he does have a special hideout, though. Um, you'll have to ask him about his, his little... Um, his getaway on Lake Minnetonka. Um, his, it, his-
0: does this involve ice fishing?
1: You know, I don't, I've never been there <laughs> ice fishing. Um, right. Friend Zuko used to park his boat there. I never got to go on the boat. Um, but I think when the world gets really crazy and he just wants to escape escape advertising, that's where he goes.
0: Yeah, he is. He is just the extraordinary special guy. I'm glad we got to talk about Chuck. Now y- you joined Cole the- McVoy as a director of client services, and very quickly, you become the president. That seems like a pretty big leap to me from the outside looking in, but tell us about that pathway to the president. You've been CEO now for 13, 14 years. So you, this has really been you know, you for quite some time now. How did you make that initial leap into the corner office?
1: Well, that was never my plan. I had never set out to run a, a company. And when I joined Call McFoy, it was really to, again, um, continue to optimize um, this amazing organization that had been around for 70 years, but with the opportunity to really move into um, its next phase. And they wanted to become more of a consumer driven agency. And again, that was my background. I had experience involving um, a an organization that was b2b focused into consumer driven but again i said i don't think you need to choose i just think you should decide and, and make these that the best time the best times they can be in call mcvoy's history and really lean into um, your roots and where you come from and call mcvoy um, had a long history of um agricultural marketing and i'm a huge fan of um you know, a lot of work that they had done in the past. And I said, I think that is really the foundation from which you should build your future. So again, from, from farm to table, um, we started to really try to identify, um, clients that would continue to help us not only um, build our depth of experience, um, within the agricultural and ad tech arena, but also expand into, and and diversify the portfolio. Cause again, just like in your investment portfolio, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. And, um, I don't know. I, I think just having a vision and a passion like that. Uh, my our uh, um, our chief our, our CEO was also our chief creative officer. I think he found value in my business perspective, so I, I think I was a nice complement to that. So I think you know credit goes to him identifying early on that um, I could also help the organization identify what that vision is, and um, he put me into the role of president to do that.
0: And you're pretty young to be a president at that point, aren't you?
1: I don't remember the age, but I do know that as soon as it was announced, I got a call from young presidents organizations. So I okay. Get... <laughs> okay. Well, it <well, laughs> we... happened. Um, I was in my 30s. Right. Um, but again, I don't think age matters. And that's the another thing that I, we talk about a lot in terms of talent. Again, I don't think you, it's not like you get promoted based upon tenure anymore. You get based upon your contributions and what you bring to the party.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us about the founders of the agency. You know, I only know Cole McVoy is you. Tell us about, there's got to be some interesting history there that I don't think very many people outside the agency really know.
1: Sure. Um, Alfred Cole and Kirk McVoy um, were two aspiring um, copywriters at the Bureau of Engraving in, in downtown Minneapolis. And it was during the Depression, and they were both asked to take a pay cut. Um, and I thought, ah, I don't know, maybe there could be a better gig for us. So Alfred uh, decided to open up um, on his own, and shortly thereafter, Kirk McVoy joined him. So again, then it was then became Cole McVoy. And again, I think they this um, exemplifies the entrepreneurial spirit that Calm and still has today. Again, two people, and you know, in the middle of a depression, decide it's a perfect time to open up a creative shop. Right? Most people probably thought they were crazy, um, and they continued to evolve. Um, and really focused a lot on agricultural um, clients at the time. Uh, Obviously uh, the Midwest was a great place um, for that. And uh, we continue to have a deep emphasis and um, passion for the agricultural industry. But uh, I think the organization over my tenure has been able to diversify as well, Um, not only from farm, but to table and into retail and many other exciting avenues. But I think one of the, greatest moments of my journey is when one of the, I think it was the granddaughter of one of the founders called me. She had read an article about the organization and Um, what I was helping to do and um, how we treat our people and the core values that we had. And she was just calling to say that her father would be so proud, which I thought, wow, I wasn't alive in 1935. (laughs) But to be able to carry on someone's legacy and someone's vision and to have someone from their family to reach out because they read an article about the company that their grandfather built to say um, thank you really left a lasting impression with me.
0: Well, that's a great, great story. It sort of takes me to a, another different unexpected place and a little windy conversation here. And you talk about agricultural roots of the company, an area that you still play in today, uh, of course, much more than that today. And what always struck me about people from Minneapolis, St. Paul, was they felt very grounded. And you felt like the roots grow a little bit deeper there, in contrast to some other places where Many of the people are more transient, more come and go. You get the feeling, and I've spent a lot of time in your city. I don't know if I told you this, but I was there early in my career was in sports, and a lot of it was in Olympic and amateur sports. And in 1991, the U.S. Olympic Festival, this fantastic event, was in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Great, great event. The U.S. Olympic Committee, which has had awful, awful leadership for decades now, criminally awful. Um, there was this great event which they ruined called the US Olympic Festival. And it used to go, it was every year but the Olympic year. So it would be held three out of every four years. And the Olympic Festival format divided the country up into four teams. The athletes all lived in an athlete's village. There was an opening ceremony, and it was a two week, 16 day, it was 14, 15, 16 days multi sport event, just like the Olympics, but for American rising athletes. So all the big names that you know, like Jackie joyner and they all competed in Olympic festivals. And uh, 89 was in Raleigh-Durham. I remember that. I know St. Louis had it in 94. It was a great, great event. And Minneapolis-St. Paul had it in 1991. And we spent the week there. We stayed at the um, St. Paul Hotel. And that's where I first went to Mickey's Diner, which we've also nice. discussed and had there. Potatoes O'Brien, which I think are the best breakfast potato item that I've ever seen in the United States of America. It's a big category of important category, but those deep roots. And I think that is also reflected in the clients that you have and that you have retained over long, long periods of time. That's somewhat unique in our business today, Christine. I
1: think it is. And again, I just, um, I appreciate that observation because I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but the roots do run deep at Call Me Foy. Again, we are the um, longest standing creative agency in, in the Twin Cities. And I think it's because we've been steadfast on our, our vision and commitment to not only do great work for our clients, but also our community. And um, we like to think of ourselves as strategic partners and long-term partners to many of our clients. And I think because of the stability that we've had combined with the reinvention, we've been able to do that. Again, with Land O'Lakes and, and uh, you know CHS, and um, 3M; those are all um, relationships that have been over two decades long, and that's just not very common in today's industry. And I think, obviously, you're a big fan of Can, and I think if you look at, um, you know, the people that win for the most creative work, a lot of times those are the relationships that have been in place the longest. And I think that shows that there's a foundation of trust. And when you have trust in enduring relationships, that's when you can do your best work. That's when you can uh, really try to take um, um, those test and learn opportunities to the next level. It's not to say that we haven't welcomed many more um, clients since then. But again, we're really looking to be in for the long haul to really have an impact on the business versus just do a a one-off campaign. Those are fun too, but it's really about growing the business and growing the brand and growing the people. And I think the people and the culture, again, that's just something that is um, so important to me and something that I love and I feel really responsible for because every day my job isn't to write the ads or come up with the next big idea. It's to create this environment where people feel like they can be who they really are and bring their whole selves to work and um, really express you know their points of view to create content that's going to help shape the world. Having deep roots, um, I mean, a lot of our employees, Again, we have every month, um, our chief creative officer, Mike Hogan, and I host the C plus M, the Christine plus Mike. Yes, it's called McVoy, but we've adopted it to Christine and Mike. Right. Um, we talk about highlights from the last year, and then we usually ask them for their advice on a topic regarding the agency. But again, we had people celebrating anywhere from two years to 22 years. So I think we have an abnormal um, or a unique and large percentage of people that stay at Call McFroy longer than most agencies. Um, they plant roots because I think they, um, they know that they are valued. I think they plant roots because there are opportunities that span so many different, different disciplines. Um, Cause we're an integrated agency. You can hop from one discipline to another and really continue to hone your, and build your different crafts, but also just different experiences. And they, they trust leadership. So again, back to the trust really fueling creativity, but trust, and creating opportunities really helps with retention.
0: Great. And, and really just an extension of that, that great cultural story that we touched on earlier. I'd love to ask you about another company that I know is near and dear that you've done a lot of work to. And it's one that we know and have gotten the opportunity to work with both as Target and then as Roundel. And, and I think Target is another special company and is sort of from that rich soil that allows those deep roots to grow in Minneapolis, St. Paul.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think if you grew up in Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, I mean, Target was part of your lives. I mean, the bullseye. Um, I remember going there as, as a little girl and I remember bringing my son there. I mean, it, it's just always been a destination and it's been really fun to see what I think is a, you know, iconic brand really lead uh, with purpose and with action and to be proud that, you know, that that was born here. And uh, again, the Dayton family gave birth to that, birth to that amazing company, and they've continued to, um, you know, really be, I think, a defining organization when it comes to doing the right thing um, for their customers, for their employees, for the community, and um, leading the way specifically um, in in really trying to to provide um, equity and address uh, racial inequity.
0: Yeah, they were with us our last um, live advertising week in New York in the fall of 19. And the team, Ryan in particular, we had Ndaba Mandela was around with yes. us last mm-hmm. year. And, and we have an ongoing relationship with, with Ndaba, who leads the Mandela Institute for Humanity. And they really took to him immediately. And we arranged for a little private conversation for them to have in the Roundell Lounge at the old AMC up on 68th and Broadway. That's- and, uh, and then they invited Indaba out to speak to the company in Minneapolis because he has such an inspirational message. You know, he has his grandfather's aura um, and it's, extra- it's extraordinary. You know, you, it's not something that you see a lot. Um, so we have a lot of love for for Target. And I love Target Field. We got to go to a playoff game. I know I know I know know for you the wrong team won as my team, the Yankees. The Yankees defeated Minnesota. Uh oh, it was such a good it was so much fun.
1: See, but that's the heart. I was being, you know, the kind host and letting your team. I know, and
0: I had to drill it in, of course, (laughs) because I'm a New Yorker. Uh, but what a great ballpark. And I loved that you have the old style organ player. And the I remember her name, Sue Nelson. And I, I went up and I got to talk to her and she's in a, in a bar, I forgot the name, I forgot the bar, but she's in one of the bars in the ballpark and with an old style organ and waves out to the crowd and knows when to play and knows when to let the, the pop music play. But, and, and she was so human and, and sweet and nice. I thought she represented everything that's wonderful about your city
1: she does she definitely does and again we are all hoping um, to see many more people in downtown minneapolis with again um, the world reopening and people becoming vaccinated i think the twins have actually been a a godsend for downtown minneapolis um, because over the past year a lot of people obviously have been remote and there's been a lot of other um uh, not much activity down there and i think um, having something to look forward to like a baseball game is bringing the city back to life We are also planning on going back um, shortly to the office, and I know many other companies are following suit. So it'll be be really, um, um, really exciting to see energy and um, culture come back to the downtown area.
0: Yeah, the way you enter the ballpark there is such a metaphor for the difference between our two cities. Yes, you know, in at the. Target Field, you enter, it's this wide open plaza and you literally like walk, you feel like you're walking onto the field. You do. It's all all open. It's very hard to describe, but it's absolutely, right? As I'm describing.
1: breathtaking. You also, have you been to the Saints game at CHS Field? No. Okay. Okay, when you're coming back. I will. We're gonna go to CHS Field and, and catch a Saints game and hit Mickey's Diner.
0: I love Mickey's, but, but, you know, when you go into, so Minneapolis, the ballpark, it's all welcoming, you know, and you're open and you, and you literally walk in and to get into Yankee Stadium or City Field, New York. And I love, I have friends and I love both teams, actually. I I love both New York teams, but it's like trying to break into a prison, you know, it's very difficult to get into the stadiums, this, you know, the lines and the, it's just, this is pre-COVID. It was that way. Now it's even worse but very difficult. Um,
1: I I haven't been to a game audience. It's
0: it's great once you get there, but it's it's a little less welcoming on the entrance. So uh, Christine, just to wrap, one of the things that's also been a consistent part of your business life is you sit on a lot of boards. Um, You volunteer for -for not-for-profits. I think you're on the board of the Star Tribune also. Talk about what that, contributes to your life and what you've been able to contribute going the other way to the boards and the organizations?
1: Um, I love my board life um, and I'm really grateful for my board life. And it's something that I talk to a lot of young professionals about um, because it's one thing to to really excel at your job, but I think it's another thing to excel as a human and really lean into how can we um, not only do a good be good people, but also do good for our community. So, at a very young age, um, I sought out being on boards for Free Arts Minnesota. I'm obviously passionate about the arts. I'm passionate about children, and it was an organization that I, um, you know, really could connect with their mission. And I had a lot of talent I could bring to help kids um, really heal through art. So um, I, I always encourage people to find things that connect with your passions that, uh, again, you can, you can learn from and give back to. But I have to say all of my board work um, has also been a gift in that I learn through every either volunteer opportunity or every board that I serve on because they're filled with amazing people amazing people that have very different experiences and none of them are from advertising. So again, I think it's one thing to surround yourself and a pair of notes with people within your industry. But I think if you step out of it, the perspective that others can bring um, is incredibly rewarding. And um, my work on the Star Tribune, again, it is an honor to serve on uh, what I consider to be another icon. Um, we were talking about, you know, The Twin Stadium, we were talking about Dayton, or not Dayton's, but Target. Um, The Star Tribune, again, is just, uh, we need to protect local journalism again. And this is uh, an organization with such great um, purpose and mission to really make sure that everybody in Minnesota is connected and um, gets real news. Um, And it is um, a joy to learn from the people on the board, but also bring my talents to the board because I feel like I'm helping helping evolve and shape and, and, and partner with people that are uh, are serving everybody in the state of Minnesota to make it better. And um, I also work on um, uh, another board, Winger Corporation. I don't know if you've been down to Owatonna, Minnesota. Maybe we can take another um, road trip when you're here. Um, but one of the world's largest manufacturer of performing arts equipment, um, uh, you know, in the world, everything from, you know, the music stands at your um, local high schools to um, acoustics and lighting and risers in um, big entertainment centers. And again, I'm learning a lot about manufacturing and other things that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do my day job. So I, again, to me, my board work is also continuing education. It's helping me Um, learn uh, uh, about how to, how other businesses are solving problems. It helps me watch how other leaders are leading so I can, um, you know, learn. It allows me to also share and empathize, especially in this last year. Like I I know how hard it is to run a company. Um, And um, the other thing I really also encourage people to do um, with their board work. Again, all of us could work 24 seven. So I think a lot of people go, how can you work on that many boards? Like, how is that possible? Um, I think it's important because if I didn't block that time out to go serve nonprofits or other organizations that I'm passionate about, um, you would just, I don't know, spend your time all in one lane. And it's much more interesting if you have the opportunity to zig and zag in many lanes to become a better person, but also to, to help, um, you know, other companies and other communities.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I think just instinctually that we share is you can always make time for something else.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, you always have, we have, un, I, I view us as like we have unlimited capacity. You you, yep. you you, can find a way and you always find a way. And that's, that's so clear about you.
1: Well, and when you're passionate about it, it doesn't seem like work. It's fun.
0: All right. Well, this was great. Thank you so much.
1: It was fun. Wonderful catching up with you, my friend.